welcome to the International Bus Podcast brought to you by Wordbee. We are your co-hosts Tanya Falkner and Robert Rogi, and in this episode our guest is Jan Hinrichs. Jan is the founder and CEO of Beluga, a European-based translation company that helps fast-moving companies to get their digital content global. Jan has been working mostly in website and mobile app translations for the past 15 years. On top of that, he also founded Lochlunch at the beginning of 2019, a global movement with monthly local lunch meetings of people interested in globalization, internationalization, localization and translation, helping them to meet existing and new contacts. Welcome to the show, Jan. How about we kick things off by you telling us a little bit more about Lochlunch and how you got started with all that? Yeah. I think it's important to know what drove me this way because this is aligned with Singh. Here in Spain, I was country manager for Spain. So linguistic was my wife. But country management was me at the beginning. You know, it was 2004. You know, nobody talked about social, online, business networking. That was like, what? Nobody understood the concept of online networking for business professionals. Mm -hmm. So how did we manage to, to get people to get the word out by offline events? So Sing Events, what's today, I think a third of their revenue started here in Spain. And it was physical meeting of professionals to get in touch and then continue online. So Lock Lunch, the other day, a friend of mine said, you know, hey, log lunch is just a sort of result from your trajectory. You know, that's because you had all these this way before social networking and online. So how do you get people together? It's always you need both. You need online to get the reach, but you need offline to be personal. Mm -hmm. So when I started log lunch, so then then we started log lunch because of that. You know, I think, so this is sort of, you know, based on the DNA, <laughs> that, yeah. that was a cool idea to start, you know, and, and well, it worked out. So I think this is sort of very important to understand that social business networking online needs an offline component. So in these offline components, you have to create them. And within this environment of, you know, everything is digital, we add hundreds of contacts to our social media profiles and we might have some some discussion but still at the end you know many people feel more lonely today than ever before and these are like statistics out there from psychologists and so on so so you know these offline component to meet people is something that really that really always uh, triggered me to think, okay, so how can we get closer to our people? And um, at Sing, it was clearly, you know, to, to break ice in Spain, we needed to have a physical event. And what we call here is Vino Español, which is a wine invitation, a cocktail. So somebody invites you to have a drink of whatever, of red wine, uh, from Spain, from Rioja, and people would come. Otherwise, they might not show up, you know? So, so we started these sing events here in 2004 and people showed up. 
and get used to it. And we had a basis to discuss, hey, by the way, you're online, you know, this is a platform and so on. So, and something very similar happened to me in early this year because I, I moved to Hamburg, to Germany. I live in Madrid, so I moved to Germany and was there one year. And I have never worked in, in Germany, actually. So I've never been actively working in, in localization in Germany. So I didn't know anybody. So in Hamburg, I knew the guys from Freysap. That was all in a town where are so many professionals in localization. And I just wanted to get in touch with them. I knew some competitors, but I've never met them. So this was the opportunity. I reached out to Freysap, to Wolfgang Gretz, a CEO of Freysap, so, and asked him, hey, can you introduce me to the current CEO of um, Tolingo? You know, and he said, yes, of course I can. So and let's meet for lunch. You know, and just to get to know each other, to see a face, a physical face. And we arranged this lunch event and I brought another a translator of mine to the meeting. And that was just so great because it was a whole ecosystem. Two LSPs, one TMS and one localization expert. So a localizer. So, you know, we had a lot of topics in common. So... So, and we branded it as a lock lunch. And that was where, where the initial flame was set for lock lunch. Mm -hmm. So, like, do you think that being a, a local event that it's non-commercial, right, too, in the sense that, like, everyone pays for their own meal and they're not sponsored? Do I understand that right? That's correct. Um, and this is one of our prime rules is, you know, this must be a networking event. So there are certain rules when you meet people for a networking event is the more you pitch yourself, you self-promote, the less likely the others will like you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for our ambassadors, which are now like, we have a database of about 100 ambassadors split it in 60 cities around the world. Mm -hmm. So one of my initial playbook uh, recommendations is always, if you become an ambassador, please, please don't pitch yourself. Don't over-promote. It will backfire. So paying your own meal, paying your own drinks, is just not to create any type of, oh, this is a sponsored event by that company or yeah. this company. I'm just going for that. That's the reason. Mm -hmm. Do you think that makes it like more accessible to different types of people? Like you were saying that it was cool in that original lunch that you had um, the whole ecosystem there, like translators and everybody else. And do, do you think that this like non-sponsoredness and it's just getting together for a lunch is like pretty low-key? Do you find that you are more inclusive that way for different types of people in the industry? I think so. So the, the, the type of sponsorship, of course, this is a movement. So basically, you know, this is just virtual. There is no business model behind it at this stage. So, you know, if you have brands sponsoring these events, then you put a label on it. So a label and, and the problem is you can't scale on these labels because, mm -hmm. you know, each city has a very own DNA. So you might have, we have ambassadors who are translators. 
We have ambassadors who belong to translation companies, can be CEOs like, like myself, or can be a project manager or, you know, whoever. Or it's on the buyer side. It's a localization program manager. You know, it can be a developer. So as this is so open and people who come in are very diverse, I think by keeping it like this, unsponsored, like everybody pays their own bills, it is a very no neutral basis for, for lock launches, and that's good. Like you mentioned, you started it at the beginning of 2019, and now you're already uh, you know, covering 60 cities. How did it grow so big so fast? Uh, so I think there are two components. One is the, there's social media, and the translation industry is lacking behind in social media. So that means adoption from companies, influencers, as a work environment, the translation industry itself is like a follower. It's a follower industry. It's not a leading industry. It's not early adapter industry. So now the whole sector comes there, has basically no, no idea what to do with social media. So how do you use LinkedIn today? Because, you know, do I do sales? How can I, you know, can I pitch people there? But the people are going to lock lunch really want to connect with people in a professional way, but they want to connect. So I think meeting, giving them the platform to meet at a very low cost because it's just your meal you pay. That was one of the reasons why lock lunch was so or is so excited for so many people because we have these conferences. And these conferences add tons of value and are super difficult to organize, to prepare, to get all the speakers there. All this is brilliant. It's a lot of work. It's a business itself. But the price tag also excludes so many people. Yeah. We have a conference which is normally 1,500 euros for three days. So each day costs 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. It's expensive, actually. Like uh, I kind of been assuming that it's an economies of scale issue, you know, because, yeah, I mean, like your your web summit ticket, you know, to get in for, you know, and you can go there and you can see like Edward Snowden on video camera or whatever and Tony Blair. And like, I mean, it, it, I think it's cheaper than the local world ticket. But like for double the cost of your typical localization conference, you can actually have lunch with Tony Blair or like, I don't, I don't know, like, and I know there's other conferences in like web development and just like programming and different stuff. And I mean, the tickets are a lot cheaper. So I, I, I think you're absolutely right that there was a real need for an event that people could afford to go to also without having to travel and, and all of that as well. I think, you know, we're not competing with conferences. Conference is a completely uh, standalone business model, mm -hmm. you know, and the value proposition a conference offers is very high. It's a, like a, buying a Mercedes, you know, but it is not, it's just a few times a year. It's a high value. So you need to be very focused. You, you, you are super concentrated on making that deal, meeting that person or having lunch with Tony Blair, you know, 
But basically, if you go to the big conferences in our industry, how often have you tried to talk to somebody and this somebody says to you, I'm very sorry, but I have a meeting now. Mm -hmm. And by the way, afterwards, I have another meeting and afterwards, I have another meeting. So, you know, attention is equal to zero. Mm -hmm. So, and this is because of pressure, because of price of traveling, because the ticket price is one thing, traveling expenses, mm -hmm. hotel flights it all sums up yeah. and if you have a, somebody working in uh, as a sales representative so he has a salary x but you have to double that salary for attention of conferences traveling and so on so it's a huge value and these people know that mm -hmm. and so, so they are very focused so the conference is this very special thing You learn a lot, but you have a very, very strict calendar eventually, you know, and otherwise you just feel bad. If you're not full of meetings, you feel bad because all the others have all the meetings. You know, and, hey, where, who are you that you are not having all these meetings? Yeah. Do you think at these conferences, the networking sessions at the conferences, they end up being more, in the end, everybody's kind of trying to you know get the return on investment and not just uh it's just a different kind of networking right than what you do at lock lunch yeah i think you know the the, the expectations are completely different mm -hmm. so on a conference you have huge expectations you know and expectations because you pay a lot so let's say you you pay five thousand for the travel of your sales rep to that conference ideally this sales rep brings in contracts for at least these 5,000, you know, and ideally like three, four, five, ten times mm -hmm. what his salary is. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, this, this guy is not worse. So expectations are very high. In lot lunch, you just, you know, once a month you have the opportunity to meet people. These are people from the whole economy. So in the whole ecosystem, translators, buyers, might be translation, TMS producers, developers, consultants, and everybody's expectation is just at least to have a lunch, full stop, to eat something. Now, a part of that, hey, by the way, I meet people from my industry, and maybe I learned something, you know, and so, you know, but you don't expect so much. And I think this is the, the key. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, because the pressure over conferences is uh, sometimes it's almost too much, you know, like, especially the part about the, the ROI, like, I don't know on the services side, but like on the technology side, it can be really hard because, you know, like you, you might meet somebody and uh, like if you're doing like TMS and cat tool and, and sort of like language technology like WordBee man, I mean, your sales cycle, you know, for some of these these big companies might be a year, you know, so like by by the time, you know, you're closing the deal that you started, you know, at a conference a year ago, it, it seems strange, I don't know, to count the ROI sometimes, you can almost sometimes you can lose the numbers. Um, sure. But I, I guess your sales cycle must be a lot shorter for for the services side. I'm just guessing. You know, if you go to a localization conference, who is there? There are buyers and, and sellers. But most of the time, buyers are already mature companies. 
because otherwise they would be there. Yeah. You know, and so the reason for them to change their provider are narrow. You know, so localization, at least from my point of view, is it must work. It must localization shouldn't give problems to the companies. So localization is a supportive layer in the organizational structure of a corporation. So, you know, it's not that linguistics will drive too much yourselves. It can, of course. We have all seen these presentations where we say, yeah, we need to be, you know, the front runners. But most of the time we are supportive and execute. So the most important thing is that this runs smooth and doesn't create more fires. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, on these conferences, the likelihood that certain company will change providers back and forth from one company to another are not so big. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're basically there to create relationships. And relationships must be, over time, neutered. And I think that's where we have luggage. You know, yeah. you can neuter relationships. Yes. Mm -hmm. On an ongoing basis. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. It's it's all about conversations and relationships and time and nurture. Yeah, but that's but Tanya and I are in marketing, so that's what we would say. <laughs> I know, I know. Lockland, you know, Lockland in terms of marketing, I think it's a great opportunity for people to get out and to understand what's happening out there. And this can be from every position. Uh, as a translator, you know you meet buyers and you meet sellers, you know, of, uh, of buyers of your translation services as an end buyer and an end customer or an LSP. And in both situations, because of the situation at lunch, you just chat. You know, you're, hey, by the way, have you used WordBeat today? You know, have you ever used WordBeat? Mm -hmm. And people will say, no, I haven't. Or, or yes, but, you know, I like more that feature in that company. Or, yeah, it's the best. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is where you understand the dynamics of our industry. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you can have a follow-up and say, let me show you, you know, how we work at Spin. For example, a company we're doing testing with. So this is a very techy stuff. But, you know, just as a buyer, you might heard of it or you might be introduced through a lock launch to new ideas. Are there agendas at the lock launch? No, it's an mm -hmm. unconference, unconference style. Mm -hmm. Because it depends so much on attendees, you know, and right. sometimes it's just if you go now to Barcelona, maybe they are not so keen to talk about anything else but uh, independence or mm -hmm. riots in the streets or mm -hmm. uh, in Chile or, you know, so it really depends. Some, mm -hmm. some have ideas, you know, it's always... The things that matter most to you. Mm -hmm. So if we have uh, Jaime from WordBee on the table, he can give us insights into how WordBee can solve certain certain problems. How do you connect with XTRF or PluNet, for example? What is my worry about you know working with five, six TMS at a time? Mm -hmm. so this comes out of the situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, 
As you know, we like to keep things mostly non-commercial around here, and we like to just stick to interviewing the guests about fascinating subjects. But we would like to take a moment to mention a little bit about WordBee Translator. WordBee Translator is the translation management system developed by WordBee over the last 10 years. So we are celebrating 10 years now. It's all in one system, so you can manage projects. It also has linguistic tools. It has tools for finance, business analytics, and it's been around for 10 years, so it does pretty much anything you want. Before working for WordBee, I also used WordBee Translator. One of my favorite things about it was actually the invoicing because it made it really easy to manage supplier invoices, create them, and just not have to deal too much with the financial side of things. But other customers appreciate other things, like for example, it's a native cloud technology, so it's really collaborative. You know, you can keep track of what's going on in there at uh, any, any moment in your project. It's easy to set up different job assignment methods. You know, you can check your stats at any time. You can see how your project managers are performing. You can see how your translators are doing. And yeah, it does pretty much everything you want. It ends up fitting your organization like a glove, as we say. So that was just a word about Wordbee Translator. Now, without further ado, back to the podcast. I just really like the local lunch. You know, I really like the idea of the local lunch. Just a little bit more low-key, you know, just have people started flying around yet? Do people ever like fly into a city just to go to the local lunch? They do. That's what I thought. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, holy crap. When you think about it, compared to the price of a conference, flying into Barcelona or Paris or Madrid to go to local lunch might give you the same value you got out of the conference, in a way. It I, might. I don't want to compare, but so right now, one of our strategies is, I, I mean, it's not a strategy, but it's natural for people if they travel around to a conference. Right, right. They are part of, of lock lunch. You know, they love to meet each other. You know, the ambassadors, most of our ambassadors are in these group of global trotters in our industry. So they are somehow moving around quite a lot. So to give them the possibility, like we did in St. Petersburg on the Russia, on the Translation Forum Russia, you know, we had a 50 people on a lock lunch. It was mm-hmm. a massive lock lunch organized by the local ambassador, Ilya. So he brought together international people who came there just for the conference together with local people who weren't, you know, just attending the lock lunch, but who, for whatever reason, couldn't attend the conference. And it's a way where people got together. And we met like seven, I think we were seven or eight ambassadors around there. That was a huge jamboree. And, I, and we repeated the same on, on Lockworld, on Gala. And it's just, I mean, it's really not a competition to the conference. I see it as an addition. It's an mm-hmm. extra value to decide, gosh, if I go to San Diego Gala, it's not because I want to listen to all these great speakers there, but I will meet a community. Yeah. I will meet at least five people from Lock Lunch around the world. Yeah. I can talk, I can meet, I can see their faces, discuss, whatever. And mm-hmm. it's this community feeling you suddenly have and say, Wow, this is my family here. Cool. My log lunch family. 
you know and so maybe i'm deciding to go to a conference because of log lunch yeah and not, not because of the the conference of course is like the big one the reason the excuse i'm flying around the world yeah but for my deal making for my relationship building the log lunch is my important event yeah, mm-hmm. that's so interesting. I just find this so interesting. Like uh, my my first Glock World was last year in Seattle, um, and I'll be going to Silicon Valley now in in a few weeks here. And like my favorite part of Seattle, you know, was I mean we were working at the exhibition, and you know it was a great exhibition. Like we really we got a lot of leads. You know the the Glock World is a super cool event, but my favorite part was actually the What's his name? Um, Aki Ito does the like the newbies local world, you know. The karaoke uh, thing with him. We we didn't do karaoke, but I wish we would have done a karaoke. We missed out on that, but but I just loved it. You know, it was like uh, and and some of the after parties, and I I really like these informal events because you get a chance to to really talk to people, and like you said, you're making those relationships and stuff, and. Uh, I really like it. I don't know how effective it is in sales, but I suspect that over the long term, making those relationships is really the difference. So, but here, here comes the big question: How do you follow up? Yeah, when it's a nurture thing. Yeah. And here we go into you know what platform do you have to face to face meetings? Can you afford to travel the thirty conferences a year? With a total of 16,000, we calculated, it's like 16,000 people in our industry attend the 30 localization conferences a year. Yeah. 16,000. On LinkedIn, you will find 500,000 people in, with the industry in translation and localization. Yeah. Oh, it's such an interesting... A million, you know, and 16,000. Yeah. It's so... Mm. That's just group of elite people who are traveling around well it's a bubble it's a bubble you know like if you look at the common sense advisory statistics on the industry like i I, what's it at now it's like 40 billion dollars or something and like the what is it i think that 20 like there's not how does that work the top 14 or 20 percent of the business is all like the really big companies that are you know going to local world and stuff and then the rest of the market, like 80% of the market is just like small shops, translators, you know, like uh, boutique agencies, um, you know, people that are, you know, working with the clients they know and love and clients working with translators and agencies they know and love. And and a lot of the industry is small and not at the conference. So like, I, I think based on my intuition and the numbers I've looked at, like when you are at a conference, you are seeing a sort of a small cross section of, of the industry that is going there. Right. It is absolutely true. And, you know, there's so many fragmentation as well, because you have these the translators go to translation conferences. Mm-hmm. Vendors and buyers, LSPs and, and corporates go to the log worlds and galas of this world. You know the developers who are at the on the other side of uh, of our our tools today are going to their conference on the web summit and so on. So you don't bring them together. There's no matching in these communities. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing is, we are working together. All every everybody works together. 
Mm-hmm. So and that's that's where where at least the idea of Lark Lunch goes to bring together the whole environment to be open to bring together the developer with the consultant, the translator, the LSP, and the buyer. You know, for example, the marketing head of marketing. Mm-hmm. So all these people will go to different conferences. Mm-hmm. The only conference they have in common is Lark Lunch. And they get low price. Do you feel like you meet a lot of people at Lock Lunch that you wouldn't meet at these conferences? Because although like the industry is big, but still kind of like it's an everybody knows everyone sort of industry where you meet the same people at the conferences over and over again. But since the Lock Lunches are more of a local event, so you know, do people show up that you wouldn't otherwise see at these bigger events? No. Uh, so there's just uh, in our in Madrid, there's just a one percent or maybe five percent of people who I might meet at a conference. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, you know, all the rest goes to different conferences or are not coincident in time at a certain conference. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's a big, big, big advantage of of these monthly meetings in your town if you have international travelers coming in and you meet them there as well so if people decide hey i go to to visit my clients in in hamburg oh but there's a lot lunch so let's see which week i go to hamburg to visit my client because i will take a lock lunch with me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is what we discussed before you know people are starting to organize according to lock lunch calendar their international traveling and that's so exciting that's so so interesting yeah because there was there was such a huge need for the low lunch and and what's really funny is that people didn't know they needed a low lunch i don't think like people like you just founded it and then it went bam you know and uh people didn't know they needed a low lunch but they really really needed a low lunch in fact you might say that they were hungry for low lunch <laughs> for offline meetings yes professional meetings because this is a big difference it's not a meeting of of friends or football or something no it's mm. your profession so you need experts of your own city most of our people at the lock lunches have never met before mm-hmm. right on. and these are all new relations we are creating and connections yeah that's super cool so how does like for the listeners out there that maybe don't know much about the local lunch. If you want to find out about your local local lunch, um, you want to find out what's the next event, all of that, like where would you go to look for it? Exactly. So we're on LinkedIn mainly because the world is big. LinkedIn itself is blocked in certain countries like in, in China and in uh, Russia. We have Facebook in these countries, but our main basis is really on LinkedIn. So we have established groups to stay in touch. LinkedIn just launched events. So I expect my ambassador crew, global gang of ambassadors to use LinkedIn events to create their invites. And we have these forums, these global forums, the global lock lunch and regional forums. So you have a DAC forum for Austria, Switzerland, and Germany. We have an Iberia forum where we have Spain, Portugal, Andorra, and Gibraltar. 
supposedly. So this is like breaking down the noise mm -hmm. and to meet people on a local level. Right on. And these forums, when you say forums, do you mean like LinkedIn groups or what? Yeah, LinkedIn groups. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Cool. So people should probably join their local or the regional forum. And that exactly. way they'll always be up to date. Okay, super this cool. This is right now how it works. We have a big calendar spreadsheet, all Google Forms. So our ambassadors lock their data to a spreadsheet. And there you have all these upcoming events. And you can, uh, and myself, I'm publishing like once a week, the upcoming events, whatever ambassadors. So if they should publicize their events, it is there. And then I post it to the community as well. Super cool. And for those that don't yet have one in their area, how can they become ambassadors? Yes, especially in Zagreb, Luxembourgville, or Innsbruck. <laughs> Connecting with me right now. And I provide, you know, we have a, on the same spreadsheet, you will see who is, who, which cities we support right now. We're interested people. And then it's really about onboarding. For log lunch, you need two people to sit on the table, you yourself and another person. Then you mm -hmm. have a log lunch. You know, from there ongoing, you can scale it as much as you want. The important thing is ambassadors, this is not a one-off shot. So it's right. not a marketing gimmick, but it is building community. Right. So our ambassadors should be the center of a growing network of people and bring them together. So self-promotion again, it's a bad idea because you mm -hmm. will it will backfire, it will burn yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is social. So if you bring together people and you launch this month by month, mm -hmm. this is our second Thursday is a paradigm, but there is certain flexibility in terms of dates. They should launch it and go for it. You know. The longer we see log lunch grow in certain places, the more people join mm -hmm. in and hear of it. Some people, some places take more, others just are exploding. Do you have uh, anyone in Zagreb? Not yet. All right. I would be happy to do that. So like back... I take you over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but really like, like two or three years ago, I, I was going to start a meetup here and I created the meetup. And I think I called it like Zagreb Translation Meetup, you know, and I've been paying the organizer subscription for like three years, which is so silly. It's like $10 a month. But, um, you know, the, the model that I was thinking of was more of like a like really a sponsorship model. And then, you know, it just seemed kind of silly. But then there was all these people signing up. And I think I put my startup title in the th anyways, I have like. 120 people signed up for this thing now, I think, but we've not been holding any events. <laughs> so like I could totally move that into a local lunch and, and start Absolutely. the local lunch proper. Yeah, because it's uh, it's also, you know, I like the idea a lot better than the, the original idea that I had. Anyways, I would love to do that, actually. Yeah, you know, the benefits are huge and the experience of meeting people. Yeah. You know, th this is exactly why I think Large Lunch was so easy because so many people tried what you tried. Yeah. You know, a meetup, a localization, a meetup, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's not self-sustaining. No, no, it, and it's a pain it in the butt. It has so much effort. Yeah. And, you know, nobody knows you. Now, Large Lunch, you have a platform. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just and lunch, it's you know? It's like, uh, yeah. it's just lunch. And there's that offline meeting thing you were talking about, too. Like, you know, like, I, Tanya works from home. I work from home. And it's like, okay, I, I get to meet people on like, like you on the podcast. Or we do these panel webinars. You know, we get to talk to people there, you know, talking to the mothership. But, you know, these are just a few meetings like most of the day i'm toiling by myself and uh it would be so nice to have a growing local network of people just to hang out with once in a while have lunch talk about stuff like this is great this is fantastic i think yeah. that's the attitude so <laughs> after this podcast i'm happy to you know for everybody who feels the same like you just reach out to me and we get you Moving, I think 500,000 people on LinkedIn is a very interesting goal to reach. These are the people we want to connect. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, I think we should wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast, Jan. It was great talking to you. And I hope our listeners will go join a lock lunch or become investors themselves. That would be excellent. Thanks so much for the opportunity and see you at lock lunch. Happy lock lunching. All right. We're all hungry for a local lunch. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>